On Raising Rare, we are bringing you the stories of parents learning how to raise a child with a rare disease. Our co-hosts, Sanath Kumar Ramesh and Brittany Ratke, parents of rare disease kiddos who have very different situations. Sanath's son Raghav has an ultra-rare disorder known as Setagatian-type spondial metaphysial dysplasia, or SSMD. Brittany's daughter Everly has been diagnosed with SET-D5, a mutation that carries with it the potential for a range of complications and even other diagnoses. My name is Kevin Fryert. After 30 years doing research and development at Pfizer, I started Salem Oaks to help patients and caregivers understand the world of biopharmaceutical R&D. Our goal on Raising Rare is to help and lift up our listeners by sharing the unfolding stories of these two families. We also feature the stories of other rare disease families, clinicians, researchers, and industry leaders in the rare disease community. If you'd like to follow these parent stories, please subscribe to Raising Rare on your favorite podcast platform. Welcome back to Raising Rare. On this episode, we're talking to Sarah Spear. Her daughter has a disability, and she set up a company to help people whose kids have disabilities or who have disabilities in their family um, find the providers they need that can really serve them. Unfortunately, Sonneth isn't going to be able to join us today. Raga is feeling ill again, and uh, they've had to be in the hospital for a few days. Hopefully, Sonneth will be back soon and tell us the story of what went on. But Brittany, why don't you introduce yourself? Hi, Sarah. I know we got to chat a little bit in the opening. We're so glad to have you here today. Um, As I briefly mentioned, my daughter is four years old and her name is Everly. She has set D5 and is currently the only variant of her type in the world and glycogen storage disease. Um, But I'd love to learn a little bit more about you and your daughter Miriam. Can you let us know what your experience looks like? Yeah, absolutely, Brittany. Thanks so much for having me on here. Great to talk with you. And my journey began almost 10 years ago when I was pregnant with my daughter Miriam, who is about to turn 10 in June. And from the beginning, she had a developmental, a global developmental delay And she was missing milestones and I was pushing for testing. We did a uh, chromosomal microarray when she was maybe two uh, and the geneticist saw some markers that indicated some genetic syndrome. And yet we didn't have access to uh, something like a whole exome sequencing, which is what we ended up doing when Miriam was five. So we ended, we got those results when she was six and she has Wiedemann-Steiner syndrome. And it is a rare genetic disease. I think there are about 1500 people worldwide who are diagnosed with WSS or Wiedemann-Steiner syndrome. And I think the reason that a diagnosis came somewhat later for us was that Miriam didn't have 
complications at birth that a lot of children with WSS have. We have a friend who required open heart surgery um, before he even left the hospital. He had a G-tube. There are a lot of other types of things that come up with WSS that didn't show up with Miriam. Some other markers that are common with WSS are hypertrichosis and extra hairy elbows, um, which is hypertrichosis. Uh, autism co-diagnosis is, is common and uh, similarly with ADHD and anxiety. Miriam has been diagnosed with those three as well as learning disabilities and uh, Cognitive disability is something that we're kind of keeping an eye on, an intellectual disability, but we don't really have confirmation yet. But that is common for individuals with WSS. Miriam, like I said, is nine, about to turn 10, and she has a younger brother, William, who is seven. And so uh, that and, and Miriam's and William's biological dad, John, uh, rounds out our family. Oh, I love to learn about families. Can you tell us, we've talked a lot about how long it can take to get a diagnosis at, with some kiddos. What was that process like for you and continuing to advocate for her and for your family? Yeah, like I said, early on, we, we knew that there was something different about Miriam because she was missing developmental milestones. We were, my husband was active duty military at the time. And I point that out because we were being seen within the military medical system. I've gone through a lot of training related to disability since then. And what I now know is that Child Find is a program that identifies children for early intervention services. And given Miriam's development, she would have been uh, eligible for those services, but she wasn't found as a child. So we didn't receive those services and we remained outside of some of the systems that could have provided some early intervention and early support. So we did do a genetic test early on, but it wasn't detailed enough to yield results. My husband ended up retiring and we moved to Connecticut where we now live, where I grew up because we have a family system of support here, which is what really compelled us to move back here. And we were able to tap into whole egg some sequencing, which provided the detailed level of data that was needed for the diagnosis of Wiedemann-Steiner syndrome. But it was a long journey. And even at the um, notification, I got, I remember the call from the geneticist who said, well, the good news is there's a match. Your daughter has Wiedemann-Steiner syndrome. And the bad news is we don't really see other patients with that. And there's a Facebook group for parents. So you can go on and join that. And if you don't have any other questions, then our job is done. And I got a big manila envelope in the mail a week or two later with all the genetic test results. And that was it in terms of the level of support we received at that point. So, um, I was, I was having to kind of learn on the fly and get up to speed on a lot of stuff really quickly. One of the cool things is that similar with a lot of rare diseases, there is a foundation connected to WSS and they had their annual conference within weeks of us receiving that diagnosis. So I was able to attend virtually and get a whole bunch of information and connect with us, some other families pretty quickly, which was a godsend. Uh, and yet I'm not naive to the fact that 
some of those blessings just fell into our lap and, and there was a lot of heartache and struggle before we got to that point of a diagnosis. And, and even now, um, we don't have a very clear picture of what the future looks like for individuals with WSS because it's a very young population that's been diagnosed to date. And uh, so we still have a lot of big questions about what Miriam's future looks like. It's very interesting that you didn't know about the Child Find Service. And now what you've done is created a company, Empowered Together, that helps people find services like that and finds other providers of just normal things. So could you tell us a little bit about Empowered Together and why you started it? So often the things that we build, the projects that we develop are born out of our personal experiences and Empowered Together is no different. And connecting with parents, I realized I wasn't all alone in sometimes feeling alone and in not knowing where to turn for resources and how to navigate the system serving my daughter. And I found research that demonstrated kids whose parents receive services at the same time as them have improved outcomes over kids whose parents don't receive services. So with that in mind, I started Empowered Together as a virtual community for parents and primary caregivers of kids with disabilities. And um, I cast a wide net of disabilities because uh, while I have one friend locally whose child has WSS, it's a rare disease. So there aren't too many um, within, within my community. And what I was finding was parents were coming together and, and I was hypothesizing for emotional support, but I did three different pilots and what I realized was parents and primary caregivers were coming to get recommended resources and to hear about providers and referrals from other parents and caregivers. So that's where we're at today with Empowered Together of shifting towards a marketplace that allows disability self-advocates and their caregivers to access uh, reviews and recommendations from others within the disability community to find providers that will be the best fit for them. So what were some of those practical things that people needed? Like you say resources, but can you be more specific about that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, because I started with a virtual community for parents, the data I've collected today is largely from the parent perspective. So I say that just because I know that there's a whole realm of data I, I want to access from disability self-advocates. and. In having those conversations, I'm realizing some of the, the different uh, resources that would be beneficial to self-advocates that I missed in my initial data collection. But um, they fall into buckets of family support, that could be therapy, that could be social experiences that a family impacted by disability can engage in together, uh, medical and mental health support, providing those, uh, finding those medical providers and uh, therapeutic care, particularly that's family-centered. Family-centered practice is an emerging trend in our world where the, the providers really do take into account the family's needs. So that's a, a big resource request. And also legal and financial planning 
whether that's long-term planning or transition planning as an individual ages into adulthood. Those are some of the buckets that people have expressed an interest in finding. And then it can be as simple as finding a restaurant that can accommodate a power wheelchair or has a special, uh, has a menu that can accommodate special diet needs or finding a hair cutter, a hair salon that has um, the ability to support people with sensory needs. So these are all some of the needs that have been expressed by people. I was also curious how much of those resources you were longing for at the beginning and throughout your process. And did that match kind of what you wish you would have had at the beginning? Yeah, definitely the medical and the mental health support are things that I was looking for. And, um, had a hard time finding because when we're talking disabilities, when we're talking rare diseases, there are going to be some unique aspects to the support that we're looking for. So we may not want a therapist or a counselor who merely works with adolescents or children. Maybe we want them to have some special experience, firsthand experience working with individuals with disabilities because that brings a whole level, a whole different level of professional experience to bear when, when they're working. Um, so that would, that's one example of the long-term planning piece. It was hard to find a, a lawyer that I thought would do a great job of arranging our long-term planning. So some of those things definitely aligned with my personal experience. Yeah, unless they advertise something like that, which doesn't seem likely, how would you know? You just have to pick, go to each of them and find out, well, what do you offer? What are you done? What have, what experience do you have? Particularly the, the legal one. I mean, that really got me thinking. And so much of this information traditionally has been passed word of mouth. And there's a benefit to that because there's inherent trust that we have in relationships with those who are recommending resources to us. Uh, I would posit, though, that technology and technological advances have largely overlooked this disability population and market. And so these recommendations can be shared in a way that's accessible to a broader population and not only by word of mouth so that we can hear from people that have similar experiences and needs. What are those best providers? How can we amplify the really great businesses out there that want to serve families impacted by disability? So as you put this together, who do you see as your primary customers? Those people with the needs or the people who can provide those needs and maybe um, need to be kind of uh, elevated and amplified that they can provide those needs? Yeah. The individuals with disabilities and their families are always going to be the primary um, customer for Empower Together because uh, we, we need to center the needs that, that people are bringing to the table. Um, and the providers are great stakeholders and partners in the work that we're doing, and I hope that that continues to grow. And we've seen some really beautiful things come about as people have found wonderful providers that they want to stick with. I just will never lose focus on the need to center those individuals with disabilities. Yeah, it was kind of a loaded question, but it, it does have something behind it, which is what you start providing 
you know, the, the fact that people are passing this word of mouth, you know, through, through a community will start to teach those businesses what they need to do. And you'll see some best practices. Um, I just listened to a podcast yesterday, one of my favorites, Two Disabled Dudes, and they always kind of point out um, good and bad, but they pointed a bad one out where a business um, wasn't wasn't keeping track of where their people were parking. And they were parking in the handicapped hashed zone, you know, that's supposed to let people in and out of their cars. And so they complained about it. Um, and it's the kind of thing that, yeah, businesses, once they, once they start to see what the importance of that is, they can respond. Um, and they will respond if it if it's good for their business. I think that's the interesting piece on this. So Empowered Together is incorporated. It's set up as a for-profit business. And the premise of that is we know people with disabilities comprise 20% of the American population. Uh, 73% of consumers have some proximity to an individual with a disability. So that's huge. And then we also know that people with disabilities in the United States have $200 billion worth of purchasing power. So, I mean, that's that's really significant. So to overlook that, um, I think businesses are doing themselves a disservice if they aren't tapping into a market that has needs that are going to be met somehow. Um, but interestingly, 80% of people with disabilities say that their customer experiences are failures. So it's not even like they're dissatisfactory or unsatisfactory experiences. Their customer experiences are failures. So there's a huge opportunity there for businesses to learn what it looks like to be great service providers to the disability community and to um, generate leads in that community that maybe they aren't currently tapping into. Those numbers give me goosebumps. That is astounding and makes it really difficult, I feel like, for those, you know, trying to access things like maybe getting food or, like you said, Kevin, in a parking space to able to get into those places. And then the other piece I was thinking of is not just businesses, but also schools. I, I see that so often in creating environments um, for kids to be able to set up to be successful, I think is is just another huge component of that. So it's almost like wherever we go at this point. Yeah, you know, right now, literally as we are recording this, there's a rally going on at my state capitol to push for equal rights for people with disabilities because people with disabilities are on a unique Medicaid program that has lower income and asset levels compared to the income and asset levels for any other individual in the state who's on a Medicaid program. So that points out that the discrimination is real, it exists, and yet I think all of us are doing what we do in our daily and professional lives because we envision a world that's different from that. My compelling motivation is to create the world that I want my daughter and myself to inhabit. That world, our world can be better than that. So um, that's what, that's my vision for where I'm headed. So if we wanted to start using Empowered Together, 
what would be a way that we could get started? So for me, if I wanted to connect possibly with a provider or um, families within our community, what would be the steps to start using your resources? Yeah, if you go to empoweredtogether.us, and maybe this can be in the show notes, um, you can find a link to join us on the app and write a review and get in there and start searching for businesses in your local area. We want people to both share their experiences with reviews and also search those reviews for a great matches for for them. And so that's something that as we're launching the marketplace, we're going to be building the user base. And um, hopefully if you're listening from an area where we don't have any businesses reviewed, you can be a part of that and share it with your local network as well to build up that base. Wonderful. And what kind of things do you guys list if you join up for the mailing list? Because that was something else that was compelling to me. Is it kind of updates within the community? Um, What does that look like? Yeah, sure. At empoweredtogether.us, we also have a mailing list you can sign up for. And we're largely at this point sharing updates on Empowered Together and how we're growing in new areas of expansion and how people can get involved in that. And we also try to share information of what's happening within the broader disability community because our mailing list is comprised of individuals with disabilities and family members, as well as people that are just kind of curious about what we're doing. So it's a wonderful opportunity to share more information about disabilities and rare diseases. So it's great. The, um, I think you've spoken to it a little bit, but the business model for this, what, what drives this? What's going to make this sustainable? Right now, because we're just launching, we're testing people's interest in finding reviewed businesses, finding recommended businesses, and then reviewing business as well. So um, if you get on there, that's what you're going to see. But as we grow, we also want to be a true marketplace where you as a user can make decisions in app, in in our application, uh, to purchase a product or a service. So that whether you're making a reservation for a restaurant or uh, booking an appointment with a provider, Empowered Together collects a commission on that activity. It doesn't cost you as a customer anything in addition. It's just a kind of commission that the business pays as a new lead generation for them. And then we'll also have a premium membership where people could tap into additional services that Empowered Together provides to them. Well, that's that's eye-opening because it's, it's not some reach out and asking for a lot of uh, a lot of membership fees unless people want to be premium, but it's just using the flow of business to, to fund what you're trying to do. But really right now you're starting out with just, Hey, people have this need. Let's just start volunteering what we've seen and what we need and ask questions. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think when we have those positive experiences, we want to share with others, whether it's um, going to a great new restaurant and we want to share what that experience was like, or, hey, we found this one hair salon that we're willing to drive to because they really understand what it takes to give my daughter a good haircut. Or I think of our dentist, we drive a, a long distance to get 
great dental treatment where she's got the same dental hygienist every time and if that's going to change they call me in advance to let me know so i can decide whether we want to keep the appointment or change i mean these are things that require a little extra effort on behalf of the business but are huge in customer satisfaction and loyalty so um, i want to amplify that business and share that with other people that may be looking for great dental care for their kids too yeah, I think you tap into something there, which is people want to celebrate when they find it. And so that's what you, you set it up as is, hey, if you found something good, tell us. Don't even let people put in the nasty ones because everyone knows everybody else is nasty. But um, <laughs> Well, and as a mom, too, I kind of envision when you were naming off a few of those things, I'm like, oh, my gosh, if I could just go to one place that has a list of where I should bring her to the dentist where she could get her nails painted, where she could, you know, where you could have a lunch and she'd feel comfortable. Like having those resources in one place is just in my mind, life-saving because we don't have extra time in the day. We already are so overloaded. And so as you were listing that off, it just got me really excited to be like, oh, now where can I go share my resources? Because like you said, it, it feels good. And I get so much joy out of sharing my resources, I feel like, because we work so hard to find those those places. So I'm just so happy with hearing what you put together. And I wanted to expand too and, and ask you, who's on your team with you? How did you get um, other teammates to join you and what does that look like? Yeah, well, thank you, Brittany, and I love to hear that, too, because that's the vision. I love when that kind of light bulb goes on of like, oh, my goodness, you know, we, we're all so busy to be able to save time and energy and pour it into the things we really want to be pouring it into rather than like agonizing over where we can go for simple support and services uh, is my dream, too. And I am a solopreneur right now, so I am building this on my own. I do have a contracted administrative assistant, and I have cobbled together tech support, and I've uh, been really grateful for folks in my tribe who have just dedicated marketing support and communications and branding support. Um, I also have been part of a couple startup programs that have provided and continue to provide support to Empower Together as we grow. So that's where we're at right now, early days, and excited to expand. I wanted to back up to just from some of the information you told us about the data and, and how you're gathering that. What has that looked like? And now knowing that you've done a lot of this kind of solo getting started, how did you gather all the data and the resources? Obviously, it's coming now from people like you and I, but at the beginning when you started wondering, you know, where you should get started on those resources, how did you gather that data? Yeah, I, every time I had a conversation, I was logging data. Every time somebody filled out an intake survey, I was logging the data. Every time somebody was posting in our initial online virtual community, I was logging the data. So there were a lot of different sources for collecting that and it all made it into one central repository that made it easy for me to tag and search and figure out what themes there were there. And how big a group did you actually collect that from, do you think, roughly? Yeah, there are roughly 80 people in the existing community. So it was about that size. 
that's a pretty good sample size. Um, and it was geographically, are they dispersed or are they relatively close? Yeah, the Empowered Together community currently is across the United States, coast to coast, north to south. And we do have a few people outside the U.S. as well. And so that's been one of the questions of, okay, how do we, where do we focus? Do we focus on one geography? I'm based in Connecticut. Um, and yet we have users from across the country. So we're, we're supporting people wherever they are and asking them to join us. It puts a picture in my head and I'm trying to think of what's the right imagery for it. If you were to cast a number of stones across a pond, right? And they hit everywhere and the ripples just grow until they, connect with each other. And that's what's happening is you've got little stones out there, people saying, oh, here's a good place, here's a good place. And eventually, like you could see the whole country coming together with those ripples, kind of like the railroads did, you know, coming from one end and the other and hopefully, you know, having the same size railroad when they got there and, <laughs> and matching, but it just kind of grows organically. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and that's just across the US or North America. And as challenging as things can seem for us at times, there are a lot of other areas of this world where families impacted by disability and rare disease don't have near the amount of support that we have in the United States. So the vision goes beyond that to supporting people wherever they live in this world to receive the kind of care and support that they deserve. Have you found any international partners or people doing something similar? We do have families who are located internationally, but the focus is first on the United States market. I was thinking about that too, because within our set D5 community, there are actually more diagnosis in overseas or outside of the U.S. than actually in the United States. Um, so I'd love to share that with some of our group and see if we can maybe come together and bring that to light too, because it's just, it's a huge resource that's missing at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I would love that, Brittany. So, so thanks in advance for that kind of collaboration. And I think that's the idea of the power of coming together and collaborating is huge, which is why, even though we're all here with experiences related to rare disease. That's why I've sort of cast that net wide in terms of broadly disability, because um, we can accomplish more together if we're, if we're collaborating to do that. So I guess a big ask here, because we hit a pretty broad you know, audience here, is everybody should go to empoweredtogether.us sign up for the mailing list and put in at least one positive review of some place that you've used that's that's helped you with your disability or with um you know someone you know that has a disability yep i would love that kevin that would be excellent because we all get to benefit from the reviews that people are making so um yeah, I, I think it's it's an ask. It's kind of a paying it forward, if you will, where you've probably received some recommendations from other people. So go ahead and share that with others in the disability community. And hopefully we hit some of the leaders in those communities who can spread it even further. 
Um, because if we can get them to get their communities to do this, it's going to help us all. Yep, exactly. So is there anything we missed that you want to be sure our listeners hear? I come to this as a mom, a parent, a primary caregiver to two kids, one of whom has a disability and one of whom is a sibling. And so I think two things come to mind from that perspective. One, if parents are listening to this and it's feeling really hard right now, I hope that in some way you can be encouraged that there are others out there who are on a similar journey to you and that there's a place you can dip into here with this podcast, with the Raising Rare community, with Empowered Together's community to not feel quite so alone and to perhaps find ways to make life a little bit easier. And we didn't touch too deeply on the family aspect and siblings. I'd also like to note that um, disability affects the entire family. It affects you as a caregiver, which I don't need to tell you because you know that if you're a caregiver. It affects the siblings of individuals with a rare disease or a disability. And so I don't have exactly one soundbite on that, but just I think that's something that I always want to keep in the forefront of people's minds to be paying attention to how that disability is not only affecting the individual with the disability, but is affecting the whole family unit. And um, don't be afraid to speak up and ask for support when you see that you and your family need that. Brittany, can you relate to that? Oh, overwhelmingly. <laughs> so much so. And and as we've been talking, I just am anxious to talk to you outside of the show. I just feel like we can really connect in so many areas. And I'm excited to provide more resources to other families and kind of look through your current list as well to see what we can benefit from. Wonderful. Thank you both. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. This was really a fantastic discussion, and I think your idea is is going to take off. We just have to fan the flame a little bit and help it get Thanks, there. Thanks, Kevin. Raising Rare is produced by Salem Oaks, empowering patients and caregivers to shape the future of medicine. CureGPX4.org is dedicated to finding a cure for SSMD. You can donate to CureGPX4.org on the Raising Rare podcast page or at CureGPX4.org. The SETD5 community is currently getting organized. We will let you know where you can donate soon. You can continue to follow Raghav and Everly stories next time on Raising Rare.